Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for a good report. Thank you that we have your praises continually in our lips, Lord. There's nothing that we can complain about because we're not like this generation that's twisted and they're always uh, complaining and murmuring. We have learned that praise shall fill our lips and that prayer shall uh, continually come from our lips, presenting our petitions before the Lord knowing that your peace will keep our hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. We pray, Father God, for the word of God this morning. We pray that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts that would give forth good fruit and a harvest that glorifies your name. We thank you for the opportunity to be your servants. It doesn't matter if we're in the fire or in the flood, if we're in times of trials, times of famine, times of pestilence, pandemic father god in all times we shall continually seek your face and pursue pleasing you in all things and we know that your promises over our life are not hindered and they're not withdrawn but that you faithfully pour out your promises upon our lives and even when it seems impossible that nothing should flourish there is a land that flows with milk and honey, and it's towards your people in a manner of prosperity and great success. So, Father, we pray that our thoughts would be stayed upon you, that we might have peace. We pray that your word would not return void. We pray, O oh God, that we would not nullify your word through our human traditions. We pray, Father God, that your word would Allow our hearts to flourish with fruit that is abundant. That your word would be a double-edged sword and pierce our hearts and divide between the soul and the spirit. And we pray, Father God, that your word would be the bread of life that nourishes us. For you have said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So bless your word and make it a nourishing treasure that fills our lives in a manner which is unusual. And in this season of, of famine, O oh God, that we would not have famine of your word and of your spirit. Bless us this day. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So um, I have had some time to rest, and, and those of you that know me, while I, I take some time to rest, I'm still uh, laser sharp in my devotion to the Lord. I'm impacting the world. Wherever I go, I make a difference. I'm not just a, another person that shows up on the scene because uh, I've become an instrument in the hand of God with respect to um, uh, bringing wisdom and bringing insight and bringing deliverance 
wherever we are. Uh, the Savior Marriage Bus is traveling throughout the city and people are calling and I'm meeting with people. And we continue to engage in the vision that God has given us to change the world. And so we are not at a loss uh, for opportunity to be the, the children of God. And we shine the brightest in the darkest moments. That's who we are. Um, if you see the stars that are in the firmament, they've been ordained in places. And in the storms of life, when a ship is being tossed to and fro by wind and waves, the, the clarity is to see through the clouds, the thunder clouds, and look at the stars. Because we are the stars that are set in a place that people can direct their lives and find their way in the midst of storms. But we're not like Lucifer. We are not going to be shooting stars. We're not going to be all over the place where people can't track us. We're, we're established. We're still and steadfast. And we're shining bright. So people could reference the course of their life by looking at us. And so that is the sons of God. The Bible says that we will shine like the stars in the firmament. We're going to be those things that don't move. It's not the Hollywood stars. It's not the celebrities in Hollywood. They keep on falling. They keep on drifting. They keep on changing. No, the real stars are not the imitation. They're the people that live and shine brighter in the place that God has placed them. So in that regards, um, years ago, I was uh, going through difficult times and um, we have learned here at Spring of Life Fellowship that difficult times does not change our course. Uh, the atmosphere, the climate, the surrounding circumstances of our life do not change our course. Uh, we are those that steadfastly uh, are rooted and grounded, unmoved. We're not, we're not moving. Uh, a lot of the things in the Bible that says... Don't be like the waves of the sea that are tossed to and fro. Uh, don't be like clouds without waters. They're just blown in every direction. No, the people of God are steadfast and consistent even in the time of difficulty and darkness. In fact, that's when we shine the brightest. So years ago, going through difficulties and times of, of trials, um, the Lord would lead me to a passage in the Bible that served as a blueprint. It was almost like a map that I, I, I was reading it out of the Bible. And I said, okay, in times of famine, in times of difficulty, how will I move forward? Remember that in times of darkness, we shine brighter. And, and you'll see that in the men and women of God. Uh, the, the vintage, the stock is not one that diminishes and is, is uh, lost. But the Bible says, like, uh, we build with gold and silver and precious stones. The more the fire, the more precious the end result. It doesn't matter how much fire you, you, you put upon gold. All it does, it, 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 it purifies what the Bible calls the dross. All the impurities are, are, are removed and the gold is much more precious. So the same thing with God's people. Difficulty 
does not diminish us. It makes us brighter. To persevere in times of famine and difficulty under elements of great distress and hardship and setbacks, we are immovable. In times of shaking, we are unshakable. Why? Because we're part of a kingdom. We're, we're building upon the rock. The Bible says when the winds blow and the rains fall and the floods rise, it shall not fall because it's upon the rock. Now, if there's any part of our lives that's diminishing and depleting and suffering loss, it's because we've built upon the sand. When the winds blow and the rains fall and the floods rise, when all the situations come, the Bible says, um, when the fire tests what we're building out of, those things that are not gold and silver and precious stones will perish. But uh, we stand to... Make sure that we are grabbing on to authentic, genuine faith in times of famine. So the Lord led me at the worst of times not to be unstable, unreliable, men without weight, driven in every direction. There used to be saying every which way but lose. That's not us. For us, it's going from glory to glory and victory to victory. From triumph to triumph is the prescription of the Lord. And so here, uh, we haven't even come close to a famine of food because a lot of you guys have increased during this time of the pandemic. You guys have grown sideways. Um, you have not been diminished in size. You've increased. But there, there could be a time and there... They're saying there might be a time of famine upon the earth where food, you, you won't be able to go to Publix anymore. You won't be able to go and buy groceries. That's going to put a lot of anxiety in many of you. But that's what a real famine is. A famine is a time of starvation, time of going six months with no food. And so that becomes a place of worry. Today what we're talking about is a famine in a spiritual landscape where there's times where things are closed down, and I want to suggest that you follow today's roadmap for this season of life. And so years ago, the Lord would send me to the book of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, chapter 26. And this particular portion and, and this capsule, this chapter in the Bible captures Isaac the son of Abraham, and the Bible says that in his life, there came a season where there was lack. And it says in verse 1, Genesis 26, 1, there was a famine in the land. And then it says, not like the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So even Isaac's father, Abraham, went through a time and a season where he journeyed through a time like what we're going through right now. And these times come. And like Yvette says, these times go. And we're not moved in the day of famine. Abraham went through a dry spell. And now Isaac, the Bible says, is going through a dry spell. And our tendency in times of lack in times of barrenness, when things are not present, 
we want to run somewhere. And here Isaac was going to run to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. Now, I want to know, since this pandemic came about this year, where have you run? Where was the tendency of your going to resolve your issues in the season where there's no provision? And I, I was saddened, and those of you that are close to me know that this is true, and, and obviously it's natural because in the times of trial, your real colors come out. In the times of necessity, uh, you're going to show forth who you really are. And when this whole pandemic came in, people started running in the natural. They started thinking, um, I need to save myself. I need to rescue this plan. You didn't call upon God. You didn't wait upon God. You didn't seek God. You ran according to the carnal man. You were carnally minded. Fear came into your heart before faith did. And you walked in the direction. And here we see Isaac in this time of famine. He wanted to go to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. My friend, when you are running to the people who do not know God for your answer, I'm just going to tell you right here from the pulpit, this world-changing pulpit, you're running the wrong way. The Bible says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So what are you doing running to people who don't know God? Who don't have one thought of the promises of our God on their lips. And so my, my best day in life is when I'm surrounded by godly men and women even that have the wisdom of God in their lips so that I could hear from God. Thus saith the Lord. And, and that, that is the wellspring of our prosperity. The Bible says, Bless the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, but his meditation is on the word of the Lord day and night. Everything he does will prosper. That's Psalm 1. He says he will give forth fruit in its season and he shall not wither. He's going to be like a tree planted next to the streams of water. I've never seen a tree next to a stream of water that is not fruitful, flourishing with flowers and fruit. But here the man who decides to run to Abimelech, chapter 26, verse 1, Isaac he starts moving in the direction of thinking like the worldly people. And, if, and you know you're dead wrong if you're thinking like the people in this world think. We said that this morning. Do not let your heart be conformed to this world, but be renewed in your mind. So Genesis 26 verse 1 says, As Isaac moved in the direction in the time of famine towards Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And, and it says, In Gerar. I want to tell you that Gerar is a special place. It's actually the place that God invited his people to go. And it's the entrance to the promised land. And he is there in the presence of the heritage of his father Abraham. Because before Isaac ended up in Gerar, Abraham was in that place. 
And that's the place where Isaac was born. And so we see it's a fruitful place and it's the land of promises. It's the place where God's word comes true. And you want to dwell in that place. So verse 2, as he was making attempts to go to Abimelech, the Lord appeared to him. And how many thank God that you're, you see the Lord this day appear to you through this live stream with a word that tells you, do not go down to Egypt. My friend, you do not want to derive your strength by what this world has made themselves strong in. But God says, do not go down in that direction. Just stay in the land that I'm going to tell you. The, the time to be still and to know, he, he, so he told Moses, be still and see the salvation of God. He was standing right at the other side of the Red Sea and uh, he needed a miracle. And my friend, you need a miracle. And going down to Egypt and becoming strong in your own strength will not help you, your family, or your finances. You don't want to think like the world in times of famine. You don't want to be influenced by the culture of this world. The Bible says in Isaiah, it's very powerful, chapter 31, verse 1, whenever a time comes in your life, woe. I love that word, woe. Because the Bible, when it uses the word woe, is that you're headed for trouble, my friend. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. This is not in the book of Genesis. This is in the book of Isaiah. Chapter 31, verse 1, he says, don't go and think like the Egyptians. There was an old song, I forgot who sang it, but it walked like an Egyptian, right? The Bengals? Yeah. We're not walking like no Egyptian, buddy. We're not, we're not doing that dance. We're not going to Egypt because Egypt is a place where people go to get help to rely upon horses and put their trust in chariots. But uh, because they are many, they try to go get help from horsemen. I, I think this is where Humpty Dumpty comes in. Humpty Dumpty says, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horsemen and all the king's I don't know. They could not put Humpty together again. My friend, you cannot live life shattered and broken depending upon a broken and shattered world. It's bizarre. It's insane that your confidence would be the strength of Egypt. And the ways, the way, I, I often do this. What is the world saying and what is the world thinking? Because I'm going to do the opposite. If I see everybody running in a direction, I'm going upstream. I'm not, I'm not flowing. I'm not going with the flow. I'm not checking. But everybody else does. Have you ever heard somebody say that? that that's the wrong thing to say. Everybody else does. That's what you're supposed to be living differently. Not conform to this world. He says, don't go to Egypt. Don't rely upon their help. Don't rely upon their horses. It, it doesn't matter if there are many. Because they, even if you think they're very strong. But who do not, these people do not look to the Holy One of Israel. Nor are they seeking God. See the concept of, of 
of telling Isaac, don't go to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. Don't go to Egypt. And, and listen to me, when that word comes to you, you feel unarmed. You feel that you're not strong. You feel you cannot contend. You're not prepared. You have no resistance against the flood and the tide of desperation and darkness. But my friend, the Bible says that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord says, I'll lift up a banner against it. And that is the safest place to be upon the earth when you trust not in horses and not in horsemen and not the multitude and the strength of this world's thinking, but that your trust is in the Lord. The Bible says those who trust in the Lord shall not be put to shame. Those who put their confidence in God will be unmoved. In fact, if you, if you were to split the Bible in half and you're like, to, if you like chop this Bible right in half, you would put all the chapters on one side, all the verses on the other, and you go straight to the middle of the Bible. And it's Psalm 118, and I want to read it to you. It's verse 8. That's right smack in the, in the middle of the Bible that it is better to trust in God than to put your confidence in man's ability to confront famine. What is this? This is right smack in the middle. The center verse in the Bible says, don't trust in an arm of flesh. Don't put your confidence in the help of him who comes and says, listen, if you do what I say and go where I go and stand where I stand, you'll be safe. The Bible says, no, better to trust in God than to put your confidence in man. Verse 9, it continues to say and describe this thing, which is better, let's go to verse 10. All nations surrounded me, but in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. It doesn't matter the flood of craziness that is coming in your direction. I promise you, I, I've, I've done this before. I guarantee if you get a word from the Lord and you stand on that word, the Bible says that those who wait upon the Lord shall not be put to shame. They shall mount up on wings of an eagle. They shall run and not faint. They shall walk and not fail. They're not going to be put to shame. God is going to rise up in a mighty defense. So let's go back to Genesis 26, and we got to finish this up very quickly. And you guys know that I don't do anything quickly. Um, we're going to be here a while. Uh, but I just want you to really uh, shift your confidence in the time of famine to not walk in fear, not walk in the strength of this world's ways, not even to listen to what they make sense out of. In fact, the Bible says that they, uh, the Bible says that to them, the gospel is foolishness. They think you are stupid by trusting the Lord. By waiting upon God. All these attributes that the world does not know. They're not accustomed to standing and waiting upon God's faithfulness. And that's why they can't, they can't find themselves saved. It's foolishness and they're perishing. But to us that are being saved by this gospel and by this faith... Our walking in faith is the power of God. I thank God I was introduced to this language 
of the spirit. I'm no longer a carnal man. I'm not an earthly thinker. I'm not walking in the wisdom of this world. The Bible says the wisdom of this world is foolishness to God. But the foolishness of God will will flourish and over an expression of wisdom beyond the natural. And that's where I want to be. I want to see God show up. And I want to see myself waiting upon God. I'm not going to go down to Egypt to rely upon horses. Genesis 26, 2, the Lord appeared to him. Super important. That when the Lord appears to you and tells you don't go to be worldly, that you listen to God. And he says, live in the land. A lot of people don't understand this goodness. Live in the land which I tell you. In verse 3, he says, make sure you stay put. Now, that's a difficulty for man because man is, becomes a, a antsy Nancy. They're, they're, they're like nervous and full of anxiety. I got to do something. I got to do something. I got to do something. And God is saying, be still. Be still and see my salvation. Be still and see my faithfulness. Be still and see the promises of God being fulfilled in your life. And that's the most difficult thing for man to do. They believe that if they're moving, they're getting something accomplished. But God shows us in faith when we're not moving, we're allowing God to move. We're allowing God to show up on the scene. Dwell in the land I will give you. I will be with you. This is the most powerful thing because it doesn't matter where you are in this greatest flourishing world of prosperity. Without God, you're miserable. And I've seen people take their lives because they have everything, but they don't have the author of life. They have everything, but they have no peace. They have everything, but they don't enjoy their marriage and their kids and their family. So you don't want to be in the place where the devil's giving you everything. He says, bow down to me and I'll give you the glories of this world. And Jesus says, no, thank you. I don't want any glory that causes me to pay the price of losing the presence of God. If God be for me, who can be against me? So that's where he says, I'll be with you. Stay in the land I'm going to show you. Why? He says, because I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. A lot of people don't live for God's blessing. They leave without the blessing. And my friend, you're headed for great desolation. A desert wilderness is so important to get the blessing. I was reading uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago, Psalm 67, I believe. In verse 1, it says, it's the blessing of the Lord that is upon me to such a degree that when God is merciful to us and he blesses us, when he causes his, the light of his countenance to be, show up in our direction, when the blessing of God is there, that's why you want to be where the blessing of God is, the Bible says in verse 6, then you're going to get the full harvest. The blessing of the Lord causes the earth to yield her greatest increase. Our own God shall decide whether we prosper or not. So what are you counting upon? The wisdom of your ways, the profundity of your thoughts, or the blessing of the Lord? I want to suggest, want to suggest Proverbs 10.22 that the blessing of the Lord adds increase 
makes you rich and does not give you sorrow. See the difference? You could go and walk according to the ways of this world and think like the world thinks and do as the world does and get what the world has and then die in the depth of depression, disparity, anxiousness, anxiety, anguish because they're missing the blessing of the Lord. The, the things that God has spoken that he would cause us to prosper and it adds there without sorrow. He adds no sorrow with, with your security. Listen, if you run in the ways of the world and you get strong in the power of your might and you walk according to a carnal mindset, you might be strong, you might be outrageous, you might have a refuge. My friend, it will not be without sorrow. You will have deep, deep sorrow that is added with walking outside the blessing of the Lord. Well, pastor, then what would it be to walk in the blessing of the Lord? And I direct your attention to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 11. He says, the land which I'm telling you to stay at, this land that I'm calling you, uh, we could start in verse 10. When the Lord brings you into the land, he swore your fathers to inherit Abraham and Isaac, these men that went through famines. It's a land that the Lord has given you to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build. So I ask you, is it better for you to receive God's goodness or for you to engage in a, a self-centered existence of trying to achieve your own purposes. God says, listen, you're not going to build what I'm going to build. The Bible says that uh, Abraham moved in the direction of a city whose uh, builder and finisher was God. It's a, it's a land of promises. It's a land of faith. It's a land that you're not going to build. God will build for you. God will put it together. It's going to be instructed <clears throat> in structure. It's going to have incredible buildings, a city which you did not fabricate. God was the builder. Verse 11, it says, this land that God is telling you to stay in, the houses are full of good things which you did not fill. So I told you guys that this time of the pandemic will be a time of a transference of wealth and it is happening, people. There are certain people standing still waiting upon God whose socks are being blown off their feet because God is being so good with them. He says, you are going to have wells that you did not dig. How could you have a well you did not dig? A wellspring of life. It might be a spring of life. It might be that when you got here, the well already was flowing with amazing abundance. That's why you're still listening. That's why you're still wanting to receive a word from the Lord. In the midst of political unrest and social craziness, you have found a place where you hear the voice of God with the clarity of incredible wellspring. Uh, uh, it quenches your thirst. It calms your heart. He says, there will be vineyards in this land. There will be olive trees. I love olives, which you did not plant. It wasn't the sweat of your brow. 
It wasn't the increase of your confidence. It was the promises of God being fulfilled in a manner that was way beyond what you ever expected. I want to see the flourishing of God and not my raisins. Those dried, petrified fruit of desperate hydration. I want to see the clusters of large grapes, of vineyards that are flowing with fruit, not of my disposition, but of the promise of God, which you did not plant, which you have eaten, and they fill you to the full. God's provision is not skimpy. It's not just enough. The Bible says, I've come to give you life and give it to you in abundance. What for? So you could share with others whose lives are staggering. They are suffering. They have no light. They have no promise. They have no hope. But you're in a land that flows with milk and honey. You're in a land that God plans to move with abundance. It's really powerful. Verse 12, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God who made a contrast between this land that flows with milk and honey called the promised land or the land of his promises and you prefer the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. You decided that you would take a loan, that you would trust in what man's answer to problems are and that's not what God's answer was. It's not captivity, it's freedom. It's waiting upon God. Verse 4, what is the promise of God? If you dwell in this land, let's go to verse 3. If you dwell in this land, I'll be with you and I'm going to bless you. Genesis chapter 26, verse 3. If you dwell in this land, I will be with you. I'm going to be present. I will bless you. For to you and your sons, I will give. That's the key word you want to circle there. I'm going to grant you. I'm going to bestow upon you these lands. And the Bible says that he signs it saying, I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. This is God signing the guarantee. If you walk as your fathers in the faith walked, then you will inherit what your fathers in the faith inherited. Verse 4, for this is to you and to your descendants. I will make your offspring multiply as the stars of the heavens they will become the solid stars of the next generation unmoved unfazed steadfast in their place shining the bright and glorious reflection of God's faithfulness I will give it to you and your descendants all these lands this land of faith I want to tell you is supernatural and it's it's phenomenal I want to think faith, I want to speak faith, I want to live faith, I want the rewards of faith, I want to abound in an expression of faith that's powerful. Last night, as I was sleeping, man, I was having a huge conference. This is not a time of conference, there's no gatherings, but last night I had revival. I was preaching up a storm. I was declaring the promises of God. I woke up this morning, I was like, woohoo, what a great conference. Why? Because I'm living in the land of what God has promised and not in the frailties of doubting and fearing what God has said. 
And so in this land is a fruitful land. And I see my sons coming after me, declaring the vast provisions of God's promises. Not they're going to live in over there. They're living in now because they're walking in faith. What is faith? The certainty of the things unseen and the assurance of the things you hope for. So when you're living a life of faith, it's not here yet. It's not even remotely here yet. But you're already doing the Pentecostal dance. You're rejoicing the Lord. You see your husband coming. Here comes the bride. Someday my prince will. You're living what God has promised to you. And you're not allowing anybody to move you from what God has promised. It says there in Romans 8.32, my favorite verse. If he's given you his son who he did not spare. When you see the cross and you see Jesus there, whom he delivered for you, how shall he not with his son freely give you all things? Man, this is good. This is good. God wants you to live in the land of faith, and it's greater than the land of Egypt, and it's better to live than in the land of the king of the Philistines, Abimelech. And there this land is powerful and he says make sure that you don't go thinking like you used to think uh, when you're thinking stinking or stinking thinking you're stuck on stupid you're not moving with God you're you're believing the lies of the devil more you are than the truths of God verse 4 I'm sorry I'm taking so long Genesis but this is too good to pass up chapter 26 verse 4 I will make your descendants multiply I will cause them to inherit the earth to follow after you. They can't follow where you're not leaving footprints, my friend. If you have thrown the towel and are no longer walking in the faith of your father, your spiritual father, how are you going to walk away from your spiritual father's faith to try and go in the direction where my footprints have not been in? There's no promise there. You can only stand to inherit the things following after the example of the faith you've been shown. To walk away from promise is absurd. It's bizarre. You've lost the footprints to the direction to the promised land. And so there in chapter verse 5, he says, make sure that you walk this faith you want your children to walk in. Come after me like Abraham did. And you can't follow a person where there's no footprints. Verse 5, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my commandments... My statutes and my laws follow after your spiritual fathers. You are on drugs, heavy, heavy um, medicated. If you do not walk within the parameters and the boundaries set forth by a spiritual father, are you insane? I love John chapter 8, verse 29. Jesus gave us the model of a faithful son when he says, the person who brought me into this world, who sent me, the father has never abandoned me. A father would not. You would abandon a father making you a prodigal son, but the father would never leave. And Jesus says, the father has never left me alone, for I always, this is the word you need to always do, the things that please him. So when did it come to terms that you were to forsake? And abandon the faith of your fathers. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
the, 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 the God who established the order of blessing from one generation to the next. And you are not walking in the faithfulness to your fathers. You can't allow your sons to inherit. There's nothing to inherit. There's no footprints. There's no lands of promises. You've abandoned that. So he tells them, just like your father stayed the course, I want you to stay the course. Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is a faith of patriarchs. We honor our fathers. Who are our fathers? Those who went before us. Genesis 26 verse 5. Stay the course of Abraham, who obeyed my voice and kept my charge and followed my commandments and laws and statutes. I think my favorite verse in the whole Bible, so I'm going to have to confess today, is verse 6. It's the disposition Isaac has when God speaks into his life. And Isaac stayed in Gerar. And Isaac stayed in the land of promises. And Isaac stayed in the promised land. And Isaac stayed in the place where God promised to meet him. See, this is, this is supernatural because there's no reason to stay there other than you believe God more than you believe this world. You either believe that God and his promises are true or let's all drink and eat for tomorrow we die. If our, if our faith is without promise, without the confidence of knowing we will see God then there's no reason to stay in Gerar. There's no reason to live in the land of promise unless there's a promise keeper, unless there's a God who will fulfill his promise. And I thank God that this chapter doesn't end here because we would have been without seeing Isaac come in to the provision of God. Isaac stayed in Gerar. This is called absolute obedience. You don't see what God is saying. You don't understand what God is saying. Every indication is that there is no provision. There's only promises, promises, promises. But faithful is he who promised, who shall also do it. What's this mean? That he's about to be introduced to a land he did not know. He's about to be introduced to the provision of God. I want to fast forward there. Uh, we're going to go ahead and, and see in this chapter what happens as a result of staying in Gerar. And I believe it's in verse 12 that he stayed in that land and sowed. He's going to cultivate in that land. He's going to sow seeds so that he could reap. The Bible says when he stayed in that land and began to cultivate the land that was around him, he reaped in that first year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. He went from nothing to a whole lot of something. This whole year, he concentrated on putting his eyes upon the Lord and not on his problems, not on the situation, not on the circumstance, not on the wind, not on the waves, but in the place that God had told him to stay still and he would flourish and the Lord blessed him. Verse 13, the Bible says not only did he bless him and gave him a hundredfold increase, but the man began to prosper and continue prospering until he became very prosperous. My friend, if you didn't see the threefold blessing on that regards, you are blind as a bat. 
that when you stay where God wants you to stay and you are having a life of expecting God to show up, not only does he show up, but prosperity means reality and prosperity grows and prosperity becomes very prosperous. Man, I can't wait to see God show up. I can't wait to see the faithfulness of God upon those who wait upon the Lord. I know what's going to happen to those who don't wait upon the Lord. They're not going to see the Lord. I know those, of, those that have uh, thrown the towel and are not walking in faith and have stopped giving and have stopped living and stopped believing and they no longer want to stay in that realm. In fact, they've made their riches, their assurance, they've made their withhold, their promise. And my friend, it's going to be a day of reckoning that God rewards the righteous, that God, uh, David says, I've been young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his descendants begging for bread. Why? Because when God is with you and when you are with God, the abundance of his blessing causes great increase, causes that trifold existence of being big, bigger, and biggest in the expression of God's faithfulness, not in your efforts. And the Bible describes this prosperity in verse 14 where he says like this, for he had possessions and flocks and possessions of herds and great number of servants to such a degree that those Philistines that he was going to go to to ask for help, they began to look upon him with envy. And you start seeing that your harvesters are growing. You start seeing the abundance of your storehouses. You start seeing the abundance of cattle and herds and servants. And you know what's the most ridiculous part of this whole illustration is that they're in the middle of a famine. They're in the middle of nothing. And God is the one who causes something from nothing. He causes increase in favor upon those who he chooses to bless. And so there it is. He greatly increased. And you know what the world does when you start increasing? Verse 15, they begin to stop up all his wells. They begin to throw dirt on the wells that his father had dug a season before them. They filled it with earth. What's that mean? That the world wants to cause your well to dry up he doesn't want you to hear these words he doesn't want you to live in this place he doesn't want you to flourish and prosper in the land of God's promises walking distant walking away allowing the world's opinions and worries to be stronger than your declaration and profession of faith is a perfect formula for destruction desolation wilderness a land of barrenness a land without fruit. When God had decided to bless you, to make you fruitful, to multiply you, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to take dominion, and the steps of his progression are glorious, you decided to go in the opposite direction. So there it is. The Philistines envied him, and they began to stop up his wells with earth, with dirt. And to such a degree was his prosperity and his increase, verse 16, that Abimelech the king invited him, can you do me a favor and scoot out of the way? Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Your power, your strength, 
your capacity to go forward was not based on the detriment of famine and pandemic and plague. It was based upon the Lord your God. That you relied upon him. That you cultivated faith, not fear. That you cultivated a spirit of God's presence. The flourishing of his prosperity. That you did not waver. That you did not move. That you were not shaken. The Bible says in the book of Ruth that uh, uh, Naomi went far away from the land of bread. She tried to find her place in Moab where she would find confidence in surrounding nations. And she returned totally bankrupt. Because when you move with the world, you get what the world has. But when you move with God, his faithful promises are fulfilled. And you will stand to shine like the stars of the firmament. The Bible says that there, um, even though Abimelech said, could you move away from us? Because you're a lot stronger than we are. You're making us look bad. You're flourishing while other people are fainting. Verse 17, the Bible says that Isaac moved, but he never left the land of Gerar. He went into the valley of Gerar. He went into a place of, that would not come outside of the boundaries of the promised land. He stayed there. And what did he do? Verse 18, he began to dig the wells of waters that were dug in the days of Abraham, he was able to go to a source because he knew his father's source. Even though the Philistines had stopped them up after Abraham had died, Isaac began to dig the wellspring of his father's well, and he gave them the names which his father had called them. This is called legacy. This is called inheritance. This is called once your dad is a world changer, you don't need to go any other place because there is profound, deep wells. There's a wellspring of life in the promises of God. And I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward as we uh, finish this, this season. Verse 19, and Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found a well running there. You want to stay in the land of promise. You want to make sure that you stay in this land. You want to make sure that you have the provisions of everything that God has for you. To such a degree that the confession of those people that are surrounding you. Verse 28. Those people that see you're crazy. Those people that think you're insane. And how could you still have faith? Oh, pandemic, the mask, the distancing, oh, the political rhetoric of our day they all will confess we have certainly seen the lord is with you so we said let there now be an oath between us and between you and us and let us make a covenant with you now the world wants to come in to what we have verse 29 you don't do us harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing to you but good have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of the Lord. You are the, the fruit of the harvest of God. You are the stock of heaven. You have the seal of God in your life. And everybody knows who your prosperity is, where your blessing came from, why you're unmoved, unfazed, why you have a greater expression of reality in a land of famine. So as I read this, 
And God will tell you today, verse 24, as the Lord appeared to him that night, the Lord says, I am the Lord your God. I am the God of your father Abraham. Don't walk in fear for I'm with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servant Abraham's sake. God has bestowed a blessing from generation to generation. You don't want to miss that generational blessing. He was here over your grandfather. He's here over your father. He wants to be over you and your children in generations to come if you will stay and dwell in the land which he promised to your fathers. If you stay there and you are allowed to partake of the wells that have been dug over many, many years before you even got into this land, everyone around you will notice your increase. They will notice who you serve. They will notice how you have become prosperous and successful. They will actually say, we realize that God is with you because you are the blessed of the Lord. Father, I pray this morning that Genesis 26 would be a roadmap and a blueprint of our tomorrow. That we walk in that reality. That that would be where you want us to move. That you make us dwell in a land of promise. That we would hear your word. That we would not be moved by situation or circumstance, but that we would have a faith in famine that causes our fame to go throughout the earth, that we are the blessed of the Lord. And I pray, Father God, where our faith falters and where we have departed and moved in the direction of the multitude and the strength of horsemen and the numbers of, that strengthen us outside of you, that we will return to the place you have told us to stay still and see the salvation of God. That our faith would be increased in this place, our obedience would be known. That your promises might be fulfilled because we wait with them with great obedience and patience until the fulfillment of not only prosperity, but great prosperity and increasing great prosperity. Bless your people, Lord. Allow us to be this generation of those faithful, obedient sons to honor the legacy and the inheritance of our fathers. And we pray, Father God, that in the coming days, the fruit will speak for itself. The increase will speak for itself. The peace and the joy will speak for itself. And whatever a man sows, that he's going to reap. And we cannot expect to reap where we have not sown. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.